0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Gina L. Osborne about managing crisis, navigating change, and clearing out chaos from your life. Gina L. Osborne, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. I'm excited to have a nice conversation today. We're going to be focusing our discussion around managing crisis, navigating change, and clearing out chaos from our lives. And I think all of us have plenty of those things going on all around us each and every day. So it'll be a fun conversation, not only to talk about how those issues Uh, affect us in our personal lives, but also within an organizational setting. As we get started, I just wanted to share Gina's bio with everybody. Gina L. Osborne is an expert in navigating chaos, crisis, and change. Having responded to catastrophic terrorist attacks and cyber attacks as an FBI executive and chasing Cold War spies in the Army, Gina knows that crisis can be managed, chaos can be controlled, and change is inevitable. Gina serves through speaking, coaching, and hosting Lead Like a Lady, a real-life podcast featuring remarkable women who have risen to the top in male-dominated industries. Gina began her law enforcement career in 1986 by enlisting in the U.S. Army as a counterintelligence special agent. She served six years during the Cold War and Desert Storm investigating the highest profile espionage cases in the European theater. In 1996, Gina became a special agent with the Federal Bureau of Investigation. She had numerous assignments over the the last 22 years that included investigating Asian organized crime on a task force In the Little Saigon District of Orange County, supervising counterterrorism investigations in Southeast Asia and leading inspection teams in the review and assessment of investigative programs in the field offices of FBI headquarters. In 2018, Gina retired from the FBI as the assistant special agent in charge of the cyber and computer forensic programs in Los Angeles. For 11 years, she led large-scale investigations relating to national security and criminal computer intrusions. She also provided foundational leadership in the creation of the, Org- of the Orange County Regional Computer Forensic Laboratory, a seven million state-of-the-art facility devoted entirely to the examination of digital evidence in support of crime investigations. Uh, what an incredible background you have. I can only imagine the adventures you've had and the stories you could tell if you were allowed to tell them all. Um, that's truly remarkable. And I'm super thrilled to have the opportunity to, to have this conversation with you today. Before we launch in, anything um, else you would like to share by way of background or personal context with listeners?
1: Gosh, I think that bio is long enough. Yes, that's it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well, very good. Um, you know, I, I, it, it's hard for me to even wrap my mind around all, of, all of the things you must have seen over your storied career, uh, but it suits uh, our conversation today quite nicely because I'm sure you've seen your fair share of crises, chaos, uh, and and change not only in your own personal career, but in the organizations you've uh, served in and led, as well as the people and the lives of those individuals that have been impacted by these types of events. Um, So let's start the conversation by talking about chaos. Uh, I know you do a lot of work around techniques uh, and how we can clear that chaos out from our lives. What would you say to listeners today on, on some specific things we can start doing in our own personal lives, as well as things we can start to do with our teams in the workplace to help them also to clear out the chaos?
1: Whenever I start a conversation about chaos, I always ask the question, what are you tolerating? Because that is that goes a long way to figuring out how much bandwidth you have to deal with conflict or chaos in your life. So if you think about it, Jonathan, I mean, just think about the things that you tolerate. It could be as easy as boxes that are in the garage that need to be unpacked. And every time you drive into the garage, you think to yourself, oh my gosh, that's one more thing I can do. And that can go all the way up to messy relationships, whether it's with your boss or your a family member, your significant other, it could be a neighbor who wants to talk to you every day as you're pulling out of the driveway and, you know, that saps your energy. So, you know, individually, it's not that big of a deal, but when they just, it's one after the other, after the other, you know, we start carrying this huge burden. And so what I tell people is if you want to be able to live a chaos-free existence and alleviate any conflict in your life, just look at what you're you're tolerating. And if you can remove those tolerations, you're going to have the bandwidth to be able to deal with not only the bigger things that are coming your way, but also remove obstacles to get you uh, where you want to be as far as your priorities and your goals.
0: So it sounds to me like you're referring to decluttering in part. Decluttering physically uh, decluttering mentally so that we're not stuck in all of that useless, um, those useless things that are are, are sapping our energy, are, are taking up our mental bandwidth um, to be able to deal with the things that actually do need to be dealt with. Uh, that, that's, I, I, that, yeah. I, I think the, the, the box in the garage is a great example <laughs> um, because we all have those things in our lives, right? And so I, I have to admit, I I am one that I like neat, tidy, I like order. And in part, it's for that very reason, um, because I just feel so much more relaxed and at peace when I don't feel like I have this mental checklist of things waiting for me to do them, right? And even if I'm pretty good at procrastinating and just putting things off, they're still sitting there in the back of your head, uh, still weighing you down, and, and they take a toll, even if we don't really think much about it.
1: Right. And if you let certain things fester, especially if you're a leader and you're in the corporate world or you work for the government, the little things that fester, they can go from chaos to crisis overnight. So if we want to prevent crisis from coming into our lives, this is the perfect way to start. And think about how do you feel when you pull into the garage for for the first time and all the boxes are cleared out? You just feel that sense of relief. So if you can write them, write down all your, the things that you're tolerating in your personal life and in your work life, and then just work on getting rid of those. Just imagine how much better you're going to feel if you can just, like you said, declutter.
0: Yeah, I love it. So, so I think the first thing we think about then is how we can really clear out the chaos so that we're not um, focused on that and focusing our time, our energy on all of those things. Uh, let's also talk a little bit now about crises. We all have those crises in our lives. And in part that chaos we were just talking about, uh, it can be in relation to the, to, to the various crises that we face. Uh, but as we face these various crises, um, what, what are some of the tips that you share on how to best manage those? Because, we can't avoid them. I I mean, we we can do certain things to be proactive and prepared. And uh, hopefully, you know, we're being smart and strategic, and we're putting ourselves in the best position, the best situation. But things happen. And we all live messy lives. And we just can't avoid crises. So how do we manage them when they they come around?
1: Well, if it's I I love the quote from a a friend of mine, who's a firefighter here in, in Los Angeles, he's actually a fighter chief. He says, if it's predictable, it's preventable. So uh, having responded to so much crisis in my law enforcement career, and especially when I was working cyber, we were hit with the Sony attack uh, hack, the huge attack in 2014 by North Korea, and that was just a catastrophic cyber attack. And as I was processing through that crisis, and I saw how many resources it took in order to deal with that. It just dawned on me, wouldn't it be a lot easier if we were being more proactive and preventive when it came to these potential crises in our lives than being reactive and responsive? So really, it's kind of a mind shift that instead of just taking what comes at you and then you're always fighting the dragons all day, every day, if we can really put some effort into preventing things that we can predict. That are coming our way. That's going to take a lot of the the opportunities for crisis to seep into our lives.
0: I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I'm I'm definitely a big believer in making sure that we take the necessary time daily so that we can be on top of things, we can be proactive, we can be strategic. I think it's one of the biggest gaps that I see in leadership in many organizations. Uh, You end up with well-intentioned, well-meaning leaders that end up spending the vast majority of their time running around like chickens with their heads cut off, just putting out Mm -hmm. fires, running from meeting to meeting, trying to put out fires, trying to deal with crises. And most, in my opinion, most of those crises are kind of they're often crises of their own making mm-hmm. uh, because of the reactionary approach to dealing with their people. So instead of doing, you know, laying the foundation for a successful team dynamic, instead of laying the foundation for meaningful workplace relationships and, and, and a culture of trust and belonging, instead of doing those things that take preemptive effort and work upfront, you're just constantly responding to, to the challenges and the crises that come about Uh, And many of those wouldn't have happened, you know, we, if we would have committed to uh, investing the time up front. and I get it, that's, that's a hard thing to say. I mean, it's an easy thing to say. It's a hard thing to do. It's one of the reasons why it often doesn't happen in organizations uh, because it's easier to just kind of be responsive um, and it's seen as probably less time consuming to, to take that approach. But I think in the long run, it's way more uh, time intensive. to to live in that constant crisis mode, putting out fires, Uh, if you're willing to invest up front, you create a much more sustainable dynamic um, that over time will allow you to to free up more time so that you can focus more on those strategic things uh, and avoid more crises coming down the pipeline.
1: Right. And, And you talk about the people who run around like chickens with their heads cut off. Why is that? That's a choice in my opinion that's a choice that's whether you're overscheduling that's whether you are tolerating so much that it- every time one more thing happens, then you just lose it. You know, you explode or you react in such a, such a way because you don't have that bandwidth. You don't have that space because it's filled up with everything that you're tolerating. So if you just think about that, and as far as decluttering that also, you know, why are we overscheduling ourselves? I used to, before I figured this part out, I used to Solve everybody else's problems all day and then at night I was doing my work and then I thought to myself why am I doing that I started scheduling my work during the day, and I had made time to solve, you know help solve other people's problems. But again, it's all, we, we have control of our, our schedules and, you know, we just have to have priorities. And if something's not within your priority, like that neighbor who wants to talk to you a half an hour that makes you late to work every day, then that's something that we need to stop tolerating. And that's going to give us an extra half an hour a day to have that bandwidth to deal with all of the other things that are going on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so again, to be clear, I think there are a lot of these challenges and crises that we face that are avoidable, but there are other crises that aren't avoidable. They, they just happen. Um, there are external pressures and challenges. I think of the pandemic, it's the classic example. Not many people saw um, our world completely turning upside down the way it did uh, in you know, teams going virtual overnight almost and, and just ev- all the difficulties um, associated with that. Uh, I don't think there are many who really saw that coming and who were fully prepared for it. We can't always fully prepare for everything. But I think to your point earlier, if we're managing better, if we're managing the, all those kind of day-to-day Activities and and we're being strategic and we're, we're giving ourselves a chance to forecast and plan out into the future. That gives us a better chance of being able to kind of peek around the corner to see what might be coming, those big catastrophic things that might be coming. And even if we can't fully see it, we at least we've cleared our our the deck, you know, we so we don't have all these other things going on when this big new thing comes in. And it seems to me, as I've talked to lots of business leaders over this last year, that those organizations that were in the best situation, the best position to pivot when the pandemic hit, it was those that were already on top of all of their stuff. Um, those that were running around like chickens with their heads cut off pre-pandemic, um, it just amped it up, you know, to a to a level 10. And, and now they're... It, if they were able to survive, it was a, it was a minor miracle. Uh, many of those organizations didn't survive. Many of them weren't able to pivot, um, and and ultimately uh, that that external crisis just became too much. So again, we, we can't we can't live a perfect life of no challenge, no um, difficulties, no crises. Things will happen that we can't foresee. I think of it in my personal life. I've you know I'm married. I have six children. Uh, we have been incredibly fortunate that we haven't had any major health challenges in our family, Uh, knock on wood. That could change today. That could change tomorrow, right? Um, And that could completely upend our home life, our family life, and all our, our work and everything that we're trying to do as we try to pay attention to that crisis. But to the extent that we're strong as a family, the extent that we have strong, meaningful relationships, um, that we're assured of our trust and love for each other. Um, if all of those things that foundation, those foundational pieces are in place, then, you know, whatever the, the hardship is that may come our way, we'll be in a much better position to be able to deal with it. And the same thing applies to organizations. The same thing applies to teams as we lead uh, our people within organizations.
1: I agree. And again, it goes to priorities. If everything is a priority, then you're going to be running around like a chicken with your head cut off. If you sort of narrow down what your priorities are and you keep those in mind as you go through the day, all of the little things that pop up that don't that aren't part of your priority, then that's when you need to set those aside. And and really that in and of itself is an art being able to say no being able to set things aside saying you know what i'm just not going to get to that because it's not one of my priorities and when you can narrow down a list of priorities and you can stick to that list you're going to be less apt to be running here or running there and and uh, you know kind of falling falling off the reservation or out of the reservation area um, when it comes to getting through your day and getting your work done
0: yeah, excellent. Well, and w- one of the things we see as crises hit is that we do have to pivot. Uh, most organizations have had to in one way or another this past year. But even setting the pandemic aside, we we live in a day and an age of constant change. Uh, disruptive technologies all around us. We have to be able to a- uh, adopt those technologies. We need to be able to adopt uh or adapt rather, uh, our, our business models, how we deal with our teams, how we motivate, how we engage and lead our people. Um, and so we're in this, in my mind, we're in a a situation where there's just constant change around us. Uh, the question then becomes, how do we best navigate that change? Again, whether, whether it's personal life, whether it's organizational change, what are some of the things that you see as helpful, um, tips and suggestions to help people navigate effectively?
1: Um, Again, it comes with a mind shift. I think we all have to know that change is inevitable, as we've seen over the last year, year and a half. And also, instead of looking at change as bad and being resistant to change, because when we're resistant to change, that's going to be fear-based if we really examine why it is that we've got issues with any sort of change, it's going to be, you know, whether or not we're complacent, we're happy with the way things are. We, we prefer status quo because we feel more comfortable with that. I I think if you take the fear out of change and see it as an opportunity, then you're going to be that far better off when it comes to having to pivot and deal with that change.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think about change within organizations. Again, it's inevitable. We, we live in an, in a state of constant change. We, we don't want to run fear-based organizations. Uh, we don't, we want to break down resistance to change as much as possible. And I think that as leaders that largely comes back to the culture that we cultivate within our team, within our organization. Uh, and it, to me, it comes back to this idea of a growth mindset. Um, people who have fixed mindset, they really, they settle into their comfort zone. They settle, they settle into the status quo and they don't like change uh, because they figured things out. They know how to do what they're currently doing. They don't want to have to learn new processes. They don't want to have to adopt new technologies. They don't want to shift the nature of their work or the tasks that they perform on a daily basis. They want to stay the same. Uh, And in my mind, the best organizations, the most dynamic organizations, those that are the most innovative and have truly engaged, fulfilling jobs and people that love what they do, it's those that cultivate this idea of a growth mindset where we're constantly learning, we're constantly growing, we're constantly iterating. And if, if that's the dynamic, then change is just part of that growth. Change mm-hmm. is just part of the iterations that we go through as we learn from things that don't work, uh, whether it's mistakes or just things that, you know, we try and they didn't really work out. And so now we're going to move on to something else, or we're going to tweak it and try again, um, that those iterations, that is constant change. And that's a resilient, if we have that kind of a mindset, that's an organization where we have resilience among our team. Who not only are they not afraid of change, they're not resistant to change, but they actually seek it out. They embrace it because they know that that's how they learn. That's how they grow. That's how they're going to drive innovation uh, for the team.
1: I, I agree with that 100%. And the reason why that works so well is because the leaders in those organizations give ownership to all of their employees. It's not a micromanaging type of a scenario where that, which is fear-based, which is everyone has to do everything this way. There's no creativity. You have to do it this way. But when, you, when it, all of our employees feel that they have ownership in the, the organization, they want to contribute to that organization. And they do that through their creativity and through their ideas that they push forward. So it's really important for us as leaders to open up into that growth mindset and, and have the courage to give the ownership to the people people that we're working with. So th- we don't have, we may not have the best ideas. It could be the, the young person who's coming in. So that's why it's so important if you are going to be able to be in that mindset and that, um, that growth environment that you talked about, that everybody on the team has to be able to feel like they're recognized and that they're contributing.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Gina, it has been a real pleasure talking with you today. We've just scratched the surface and I'm sure we could go on and on and on. I would love to have you back anytime and we can continue the the dialogue. Uh, but before we close today, I wanted to make sure I gave you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about what you're doing, the, the work that you're doing, uh, and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Sure. I am a leadership consultant, and you can find me at GinaLOsborne.com. I am also a speaker, a keynote speaker, and I talk about leading through chaos, crisis, and change. I also talk to women's groups about uh, rising to the top in male-dominated fields, and I have my podcast. One is a true crime podcast called... Uh, behind the Crime Scene, and the other is Lead Like a Lady, where I focus on these remarkable women who have made it to the top in male-dominated industries.
0: Excellent. Well, I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected with Gina, check out her podcasts, check out her consulting work, see if there's anything that she might be able to do to help you and your organizations. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great